following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Y'all pretty pumped, aren't you? I could preach three blind mice tonight and y'all would leave here blessed. This is so wonderful. You know, it was March the 11th when we had our last Wednesday night because on the 15th of March of this year, uh, the mayor and the city shut us down and we couldn't have church back in here until uh, a whole lot later. And then we stopped again and then we back again, but we just did Sundays and now after seven long months, we're back together on Wednesday night, our favorite night of the week. Favorite night. <clears throat> Not a night like it. it, is, uh, it it's my delight and my pleasure to welcome everyone here tonight. And if this is your first time back to church from the pandemic, we salute you tonight. We're not gonna ask you to stand and pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. We're just happy to have you, grateful to have you. And we're so happy that COVID has been uh, not that heavy in our church. And I don't believe you're gonna have any problem coming to the house of God, wearing your mask in, taking it off, and don't just holler at everybody around you. Just praise the Lord upward, amen, because he's not gonna catch COVID. The Lord ain't gonna catch COVID. He's never sick, he never sleeps, he never slumbers. But I'm so happy that you're in the house and you that's in the lobby over there, Pastor Brad's gonna be with you tonight. Now we may have a little bit of an override of the music in the youth hall, just a little, because we're still in this time that we're calling it the tent. We're in a tent. We're moving to a, a beautiful house, December the 20th of this year. We're moving in that house. And workers have pledged to work 16 hours, 24 hours a day to get us in there. We're doing the best we can and I believe we're gonna make it I really, really do, and I think we'll have a great Christmas Eve service there, and then we'll have the end of the year Sunday on the 27th in there, and time February rolls around, we'll be ready to dedicate it. We're gonna have a, what they call a rough opening. <laughs> there may not be, the, the sound may not be right, the preaching may be kind of askew, but we're gonna have fun. I promise you, I don't know if I'll have the means to preach when I walk in that building. I just think it's gonna be so overwhelming to all of us I think we might be like it was when they dedicated Solomon's temple. The ministry couldn't even minister because the presence of God just overflowed the place. And I believe with all my heart that you're gonna have that kind of heart and that kind of spirit when we walk in there on Sunday, December the 20th. Would you stand, you're awesome people. I'm glad to have my friend James Isbell tonight with us. I'm also glad to see Lee and Betty Atkinson. They have transferred their membership down to Jacksonville. Their son pastors a wonderful church there. And they're not there for the son, they're there for the grandkids. And they went down to live and be with part of the grandkids and I don't blame them one bit, but we're happy to see you folks in the house of the Lord tonight. Listen to those kids over there going crazy. <laughs> now, I'm gonna try to preach over that, so you try to help me over that, all right? Just shut that out and tune me in. Cause somebody's gotta preach over there in a minute. And I know who it is and she's not loud. Jess is gonna be speaking over there in a minute. She's not loud. So they're just jumping up and down right now. Our young people are crazy about Jesus. You raised them. You raised them. <laughs> I'm speaking tonight on this subject and I won't be lengthy, but I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do a three-part series, but here's how I'm gonna do it. 
I'm going to do the first part tonight. I'm going to do the first part, November the first Wednesday, and the third part, December the first Wednesday. So it's a three-part series, and you've got to come the first Wednesday night of every month to catch the second and the third part. We're going to talk about tonight, how do you see, and we're going to talk about next month, how you step, and we're going to talk about the next month, how you stabilize. I just believe with all my heart that God's got us on a journey. And he wants us to absolutely see what he wants us to see. He wants us to step into what he has for us. And he wants us to be stable and live in it for the rest of our days and never go back to where we were, but continue to move forward. This is a forward moving church. Amen. Amen. You over there in the, in the lobby, say amen right now. I'm coming to you and you folks in the house, God bless you. I hope you're clothed and in your right mind tonight. One man tells me he watches me in my underwear and I said, that's too much information. <laughs> and it is. How do you see it now? Say it, how do you see it now? How do you see it now? You may be seated. I'm going to the book of Haggai tonight. And the book of Haggai just has two chapters, but I'm not gonna read my text right yet. But some young people wrote some thoughts about life not long ago, and one young man wrote, I believe. <laughs> they love the word over there. I'm just getting started, they already love it. I believe you should live each day as if it's your last, which is why I don't have any clean laundry. Because come on, who wants to wash clothes on the last day of their life? Another kid wrote, often when I'm reading a good book, I stop and call to thank my teacher. That is, I used to until she got an unlisted number. Deep thoughts. And one 13-year-old take off on the famous serenity prayer said, give me the strength to change the things I can, the grace to accept the things I cannot, and give me a great big bag of money, Lord. 13 years old. Haggai wrote... 36 verses. That's all he wrote. Two chapters. Four months total was his writing. So he had a four month revival to Israel, to Jerusalem. He was pushing for the house of God to be built. And every time he spoke, he chronicled, chronicled it. He said in the second year of Darius on the first day of the sixth month. Then he would say on the second year of Darius, the 24th day of the sixth month. Then he would say the 24th day of the ninth month. Then he would say the second time on the 24th day of the month. He spoke five times in four months. And I'm gonna read you the text now. It's kind of neat how Haggai wrote. Some of you have read the Bible and didn't even know that Haggai said anything important, but he really did. In the seventh month, here it is, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, why don't they just name them Bill and Will, <laughs> the high priest, and to the remnant of the people saying, who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, 
For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For once more, it's a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. And then he makes this famous quote that we have quoted all of our life. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former house, says the Lord. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord. That's a long text, I'm sorry, but you have not read Haggai, I didn't want to have to explain it the whole night. The question for this first Wednesday of October 2020 is this, how do you see it now? What he's asking is how do you see the house of God now? Now we haven't been as the Israelites in a long term of captivity, but we have been in captivity in our homes for the last seven months. And has the church changed? How do you see the house of God now? How do you see what God wants to do for us in this house now? There's two truisms that modern psychology has given us about life. The first is this. We see what we are prepared to see. Say it with me. We see what we are prepared to see. I read about a man named Paul Turnier who talks about bringing a friend to a farm. And when the man got there, he he saw something he wanted to do. He said, let's go, let's go, let's go pick up, take a little walk and pick up some mushrooms on the ground. And Paul thought to himself, he said, that's gonna take a lot of time. But he was wrong. His friend picked up a basket and as they walked, he had been down and picked up constantly and filled the basket in less than 10 minutes. He was a son of a food inspector and like his father, he knew about mushrooms and Turnier was astonished that he had filled the basket up in less than 10 minutes. And Turnier kept searching, but he saw nothing but grass. And the other man saw mushrooms. He realized then how true it is that no one sees only what one is prepared to see. If you're not prepared to see it, you're not gonna see it. If you're not prepared to behold it, you're not gonna behold it. There were mushrooms everywhere, but he couldn't see them because he was not trained to see them. I wanna make a statement right here. It's gonna be on the screen. A wise parent is one who teaches his or her child what to look for in life. There are some things that we taught our kids to look beyond and around and through. And there were some things we taught our children to look at and take into their life. And a parent must teach their children what to look for in life because beauty is really in the eye of the beholder. And when we see the right things, it makes a right impression on us. When we let ourselves see the wrong things, it makes a wrong impression on us. Can I get a witness tonight? Houdini was a great magician. And his father, when he was a small boy, trained him to see things that other people never observed. Whenever they would pass a store window, his father would ask him to notice things inside that window just for a few seconds. Then they would walk away and his dad would question him on the contents of what he saw in the window. And at first, Houdini could not remember but only a few items. But with practice, he learned to notice the contents of a crowded display window and to give an accurate description of them all afterward. He learned to notice as well as to see. He learned to notice as well as to see. We see what we are prepared to see. 
And I know in a world that we're living in, especially now, there's a lot of negativity in the world and people are seeing negative. Motivational speaker Zig Ziglar, one of my favorite who ever lived, I'm so sad that he's gone. I loved his stuff. He called negative mindset stinking thinking. That's what he called it. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever been to New York City, and if you have, if you've ever ridden in a cab in New York City. Anybody ever done that, rode in a cab? You'll never find more negative people in your life. <laughs> New York City cab drivers are the most negative people in all the world. And a man one day approached one of those drivers in New York and said, I want to go to London. And the cab driver looked at him and said, that's not possible, said the cabbie. The Atlantic Ocean is between us, mate. <laughs> and the customer insisted it was possible. He said, drive me to the pier. We'll put, it, the ta put the taxi on a freighter. We'll land in Liverpool. When we get there, you'll drive me to London where I'll pay you whatever is on the meter. And that sounded great to the driver. So they agreed to make this absurd journey. When they arrived in London, the passenger paid the total on the meter plus a $1,000 till. And that's the first time the cabbie had ever had a positive statement. He said, thanks, I appreciate it. But he got to thinking, how am I gonna get back home now? <laughs> he roamed aimlessly through London for a while, not knowing what, what to do. And then an Englishman just came up and hailed him, said, hey, I see you have an American taxi here. Can you take me to New York City? <laughs> and the cabbie couldn't believe his good luck. How often do you pick up a guy in London who wants to go by cab all the way back to New York City? And the pastor began to say, first, we take a boat and the cab driver cut him off. Said, I know all about all that stuff. That I know. But where do you want to go when we get to New York City? And the pastor said, I want to go to Riverside Drive and 104th Street. And the cabbie said, that ain't possible. And the guy said, why? He said, I don't go to the west side of the city. <laughs> he was willing to go across the Atlantic <laughs> on a boat, but he wasn't willing to go to the west side of New York City. Or as one lady tells how after years of persuasion, she finally talked her mother into having cataract surgery and returning home from the hospital her mother sat down by the window to view out the picture window which overlooked the lake. And the daughter said, Mom, do you see any difference in the view? The mother said, I certainly do. Don't you ever dust around these windows? <laughs> we only see what we're prepared to see. Let me ask you, how do you see? How do you see it now? How do you see what God wants to do now? Are you still excited about what God wants to do now? Are you still thrilled about what God wants to do now? Do you still believe that the 88 that were baptized two Sundays ago are people that still want Jesus like they wanted Jesus before we went into the pandemic? Do you really believe that God is still doing great things in his world? That's the first revelation. That's the first revelation. And the second revelation is simply this. What you see is what you get. In a perverse way, that's true. Job said, that which I feared has come to pass in my life. Often, that's no accident. Study it by esteemed scientists say, and they've confirmed that a person who sees themselves as a winner, let me preach now, even in difficult times, usually are winners. And those who expect the future to be better than the past are generally right. And our health and our ability to relate to others our future success depends on what we see. What are you seeing? 
If we see more good than bad, good is probably what we will get. I want this church to get some 2015 vision for the future and not let what has happened to us in the last seven months rob us and make us blind and give us cataracts and give us blurred vision of what God wants to do. God is still able to do any and everything now like he was before we went into this. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. So I want you to hear the prophet tonight hearing this little book of Haggai was written to encourage the Jewish people that had just come back from Babylonian captivity to rebuild the temple which had been destroyed in the time of the Babylonian era. The temple lay in ruins and Haggai confronted the governor, the son of the high priest and the remnant of Israel that was left and asked them a question. Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? Let me just stop right now. Let me, let me ask you, who remembers the former glory of this house? Come on, let me ask you that. Do you remember the former glory? Do you remember walking in here and seeing people get saved almost every Sunday? Seeing people get baptized in droves? And when we had our weekend freedom rally, seeing people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Amen. And seeing people get healed of diseases and healed of situations? That God then is the same God now. That God then is the same God now. So my question is, how do you see it now? You that you that saw this house in his former glory, do you still believe that God is able? How do you see it now? How do you see it now? The nation of Israel had been scattered 70 years in captivity. The temple had been reduced to rubble. That was the past. But the question Haggai posed was not about the past, but about the present and about the future. I want to stop again and say, you remember what God has done for this house. You remember? Clap your hands if you remember. Clap your hands. Are you prepared to see what he has for us? Because what you see is what you get. And I declare something right now in this house. This church is going to pick up right where it left off and we're gonna see the glory of God on display as never before, and we're gonna go forward in the name that is above every name. How do you see it now? We see it as a victorious, godly, glorious church. Or as Zig Ziglar said, we need a checkup from the neck up sometime. We've let ourselves. we need a mind renewing. How do you see this thing now? How are you looking at your tomorrows? I prayed last evening about how we would motivate ourselves during the next three months, October, November, and December. And I know some of you will do it with fear. I know fear is still an active part of our society and our world because we have some uncertain waters ahead of us and we know that. We know that as a church and we know that as a country. We know that as individual people. And some of you were furloughed from your job and some of you do not probably have a job tonight. And some of you are looking for work right now. And there's teachers that are wondering if they're going to go back to school or not. They don't know what they want to do or how they want to do it because they'd have to do both. And it's just a big old mess in our society today. And you know that. But some will do it with fear. I heard about this somber minister that used to wear black and he rode in a buggy all the time. It's back in the buggy days. And he always had this deep low voice and he always kind of brought thunder when he talked. And one day he was riding in that buggy 
that black suit on and a young man was walking down the road and he looked at that young man, asked him to get in the buggy with him, said he'd take him someplace if he wanted to go and the young man got inside. He said, I'm a minister. And so they, they rode down the road a little bit and the minister looked over at the young man. He said, young man, are you prepared to die? With a face of fear and eyes as big as saucers, the young man jumped over the back of the buggy and lighted on the ground and ran away as fast as he could. He said, not if I can help it. You know, sometimes all we see is negative. Are you prepared to die? Are you prepared to die? Stop, stop. The church of Jesus Christ will never die. Stop. Jump off that buggy. Come on, get off that buggy. Let me preach right now. Get off that buggy. Stop. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not going under. It's going over. It's going through. He said, I'm going to build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I built it with my own blood. I purchased it with my own blood. And he is the owner. He's the landlord. He kicks out things that don't belong here. And he brings things to us that we need. There is a God in heaven. And he has a church on earth. How do you see it now? Some of the older crowd can remember those days back when we thought that we'd never get away from those days, the Oz and Harriet days and my three sons and Lassie and I love Lucy. We thought we'd never get away from those, but unfortunately life does not give us a privilege of living in the past. The question comes to us, how do you see it now? So I'm gonna give you three points and I'm gonna be through. Three little old points, I want you to write them down. Put them on your refrigerator. This is refrigerator material right here. First, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? How do you look at yourself? Now, I'm going to tell you, I am 60 years old. <laughs> plus a little. Plus, 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 plus. But I refuse to see myself as old. I refuse to see myself as finished. I refuse to see myself as through. God's greatest days is still ahead for me. How do you see yourself? A well-known counselor notes that in counseling, individuals will often make statements like, I just, I'm just hard to get along with in life. I'm a lazy person or I just can't get such and such done. I have this mental block about doing work. The underlying message is this. This is the way they are and there's no way for them to ever change. I'm gonna put two statements on the board here. As long as you believe you cannot change, the odds are against you ever changing. However, once you make up your mind that there is hope, the whole world becomes possible. I'm just, I'm not trying to get you to jump up and down and touch the ceiling. I'm not. I'm just trying to put something in you. This is halftime talk right here. Coach Johnson's on the, on the platform. We got an enemy to fight in the second half and we're going to go out there and win the game. Are you with me? Are you with this preacher tonight? Your best days are not behind you. Your greatest days are ahead of you. Yeah. Come on, Haggai, tell us.
The temple that we're gonna build is gonna be greater than the former house. It's gonna be greatest as we've ever had in our history. The revival we're gonna see next door is gonna be unbelievable. You can't imagine what God's got planned for us next door. The other day I was in there and I said, we built this too small. I said it to myself, I didn't say it to anybody, but I'm telling you now, so I guess it's out. I love, I love to read about the lives of people. I'm gonna tell you one of the neatest stories that I ever read. I'm a historian. I love to read and I love to study and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a constant studier. I read a true story about a mother that had a small boy named Walter. His last name was Davis. You need to look him up. You need to find him on the net. He was told by her, she was told by her doctor, your son has infantile paralysis. He had polio at nine. And one of his legs was just absolutely impossible. He'll never walk again, the doctor said. Maybe that's what the doctor saw for Walter, but that's not what the mother saw for Walter. With determination, she massaged his legs. One was better than the other one. One was so bad. Soaking them in hot compresses until finally he was able to walk and even run a little bit, jog and run. And one day after watching boys compete in a high jump in a high school track meet, Walter said to himself, sitting on the sideline, I want to become the world champion high jumper. Absurd to the world perhaps, but Walter's mother had helped him see himself in that light. I can. And years passed and Walter competed in high school and then college. Yeah, he went to Texas A&M. He was an Aggie. And all you Aggies say amen. There's none here, is there? You folks didn't let him in, did you? He married, but he still competed. And one day in an indoor track meet, this blows my mind, folks. Walter cleared the bar at six feet, 11 and one half inches. One half inch from seven feet. This was in the 50s. This boy had polio, infantile paralysis. But I guarantee that mother rubbed more than oil on his legs. She rubbed some healing oil and called on the name of the Lord too. And so they set it up to six feet, 11 and five eighths inches, one eighth of an inch higher than six, 11 and a half. And the crowd recognized it represented the world's record if he could clear it. And on the first try, he tipped the bar and it fell. On the second try, he stood back and he tried it again and he seemed to be a little weaker on that jump and he, he fell, the bar fell. But as he stood back for the third and final attempt, Walter pictured himself going over the bar. And a few minutes later, the feat was accomplished. The boy that they thought would never walk became the high jump champion of the world. Stories like that mess with me. When I see people using excuses of why they can't compete in this society called the world. If God be for you, who can be against you? Let's get out there and compete. Most of us see ourselves. 
We'll never see ourselves as a high jump champion, but it's still important for us to ask ourselves, what do we see? I'm going to put two words up here. Do you see yourself as a victim, a misfit? Or do you see yourself as a victor, an overcomer? Do you see yourself as a victim? Or do you see yourself as a victor? What's it going to be? How do you see yourself? Can you clear the bar that's in front of you? The second thing, you need to write this down, put it on your refrigerator. How do you see the world? How do you see the world? Do you see this world as something you want to avoid? Do you see this world as something you don't want to have any part of? Do you see this world as saying, I'm going to curse you and hope you all go to hell in a handbasket? Is that what you see in this world? Or do you see this world as an opportunity to shine your light for Jesus Christ? How do you see it? A professor of an Ivy League college once visited a fine old ancestral home in Virginia, and the aged owner was the last of a distinguished colonial family, and she was proudly showing him through the house. And over the fireplace, he noticed an ancient rifle that intrigued him. And he asked if he could take it down and examine it. And the, the little lady said, oh, I'm afraid that wouldn't be safe. You see, it's loaded and primed to fire. My great-grandfather kept it there in constant readiness for the moment when he might have to fight for the freedom of the colonies. The professor said, then he died before the revolution came. She said, oh, no. He lived to an old age and died in 1802, but he never had confidence in George Washington. You see, he knew Washington as a boy, and he didn't believe he could ever lead an army. And the old man died without ever firing a shot, believing that this world would not go on if he didn't make it itself happen. How do you see the world? Do you see your musket loaded, primed, and ready to fire because you lack faith in others? Do you want to shoot everything that's not you? Or do you want to walk through this world and show people what a Christ-like child is in this world? If we've ever needed people to stand up for Jesus, it is now. It is now. It is now. It is now. Can I give you a little story? I, I'm almost through here. I'm almost through. I, I, I fell in love with Summer Moon Coffee. And I've put on five unwanted pounds. I'll tell you, you don't tell me that, okay? I'll tell you that. <laughs> but when I go by Summer Moon, I go by Summer Moon, they know my voice now. And they say, Pastor, how you doing? I'm fine. And when I get my Summer Moon, if there's five in there, all five come to the window and wave at me and say, have a great day. And those kids didn't know me from Adam two months ago. And somebody told me summer moon, the half moon was good. And I've drank enough half moons to gain 50 pounds. I drank one every day. And I bring one to Keith and somebody else, if anybody else wants it, I'll bring it to them. I brought it to the workers next door. And those people that have, at, at Summer Moon just love me because I buy coffee. But it's amazing how quick people will fall in love with people that love people. Huh? Hey, this world needs somebody to love them. 
This world needs somebody to hug them. This world needs somebody to say, you matter to us. This world needs somebody to hear them say, hey, you are a part of something greater than you could ever imagine. Why don't you come go with me and feel the presence of God in the house of God and hear this bald-headed man preach and this young guy that can really preach good, this executive pastor, and come here and preach. And I'm telling you, your life will change. We need people that see this world as being winnable and not just getting our muskets and shooting everybody. We need to take care of ourselves and be Christians for the kingdom of God. Hey, we're going somewhere. John Madden, one of my favorite football guys, he's, he's a hero to me. I met John Madden one year right here at St. Edwards. I met him and he called me by my name so I know he knows me because I told him who I was and he called me by my name a little later. But let me tell you this story. He wrote a book called Knee. He wrote a book called Knee, Knee. And he wrote, it's a story about a, a, a place kicker that played for the San Francisco 49ers back in the 70s. His name was Ray Wershing. And he was a great kicker. But Ray Wershing never looked at the goalpost when he kicked the field goals. He never looked up. The holder had to tell him if the, if the field goal was made or it didn't make it. And Madden one day came and interviewed him and said, what do you do, Ray? How, how does this work? He said, well, coach, he said, here's what I do. He said, I know that the hash marks is where the, the uprights come out of. The uprights are exactly the hash marks. And he said, if I'm kicking 50 yards away, the, ha the, the goal, goal posts look this wide. But the hash marks are 18 and a half yards wide. And I know if I can just keep it between the hash marks, I'll make the goal if I kick it far enough. And John Madden thought that was, he said, that's the most genius thing I ever heard of in my life. He said, coach, he said, when you look far down the road, he said, sometimes things look real little and you don't think you can approach them. But if you just take one step at a time and just take it one goal at a time and just kick the ball and keep it in between the hash marks that are real wide, he said, coach, you'll make every kick. And he was one of the highest ranked kickers. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. Don't worry about all that that's down the road next year and next year. Let's worry about right now. Let's tee the ball up and let's kick it right now. Let's walk out of this house tonight saying, I'm going to impress this world. I'm going to affect this world. I'm going to help change this world. We're going to be a church of the love of God. And we're going to see revival of people that need what we have. Amen. And one day we'll kick the ball all the way down the field and we'll reach heaven. That's how it is. I read about a church choir that was raising money to attend a music competition and decided to have a car wash. And after a busy morning, the rain began pouring and the customer stopped coming. And finally, one of the women painted a poster, printed a poster. She said, we wash. And with an arrow pointed skyward, he rinses. <laughs> Business was booming again. <clears throat> hey, take what you've got. Go in this world, influence, affect. Let somebody catch your spirit. That's how we need to see the world. And the last thing, Randy, if you'll come, I'm closing. It's 8.30, it's time to close. Don't leave me yet, you're gonna love this last part. How do you see God? Everybody say, how do I see myself? How do I see the world? How do I see God? It's a really important question for the evening. As I minister my State of the Church address on this Wednesday starting this third three-month season, 
We're here to celebrate more than a positive mental attitude. It's not simply thank you so much. Thank you, John. It's simply not faith in faith that will make 2020 a great year. It's not faith in faith. It's not worship in worship. Haggai asked the people, how do you see it now? How do you see the house now? And then he makes this declaration of faith. I love this. Yet now take courage, says the Lord, for I am with you. Wow. Everybody say, he is with us. He is with us. He's with us. I'm going to make a promise to you, and I'm going to close after I make this promise. I'm going to make a promise to you. I read about an orphanage that the kids were having some real problems. There was a, there was a dark and foreboding aura in that orphanage, and many workers could not understand what was happening. The kids cried every night. There was no peace in that orphanage. There wasn't enough food to go around, and not enough workers to give one-on-one -on -one attention to the kids. A lot of sickness, a lot of pain, a lot of crisis, a lot of hurt feelings. With hands thrown up and helplessness all around, they called for a particular man that had been known to help orphanages all across the country. And when he came in, he apprised the situation of the orphanage. Then he said, I'll tell you what we need to do. When everybody gets in bed at night, every one of these kids, let's take by and give them all a piece of bread, part of the loaf of bread. Put bread in their hand. Let's never let them go to bed hungry again. If they get a piece of bread at night, they know that they'll have a tomorrow. It'll be waiting on them. And as pastor of Christian Life Austin, I pledge to you, and I put all this in capital letters, I'll continue to place the bread of life, God's word, into your lives. I'm gonna be better than I've ever been. I'm gonna study harder. I'm gonna prime deeper. I'm gonna pray longer. I've often said that when you get against a wall, just get over against that wall, lift your heads and let the Holy Spirit come on and you start speaking in tongues. That's what it's all about. Just let yourself go and God will bring you out of that closet, out of that war room and you can conquer anything that stands in front of you. The Holy Ghost will give you power. But I promise you, take the bread home, sleep on it. There will be a tomorrow in this church. There will be a tomorrow in your life and there will be a tomorrow in our world. I believe that. May this be a great three months for all of us. May we prepare ourselves to see the best God has for us with the realization to a certain extent that what we see is what we'll get. So I ask you, how do you see yourself? How do you see the world? And how do you see God? Everybody say, yet now, take courage, says the Lord, for I am with you. Stand to your feet, you're incredible people. I love you. I love you. I love you. Now, you know what we're going to do tonight. It's first Wednesday. We hadn't done this in so long. We're going to take communion tonight. And I'm so excited about it. I got my communion right here. I brought it up here. 
Anybody need one? Anybody need some communion in the, in the auditorium? Anybody need some ushers if you'll help us? Okay, here's what we're going to do tonight. Take the top of it off and take the bread out. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to hold this bread up. And we're going to say, Lord, I see myself as being victorious, as being triumphant, as being an overcomer. And I see the world as something I can help change. With you helping me, let me help the world. And I see you, God, as a God that'll never change. You'll always be our champion. You'll always be our Lord. And we'll serve you till the day we die. In Jesus' name, receive the bread into your theft right now. In the name of the Lord, receive the bread. Receive the bread. I feel healing in the house tonight. The Bible said if you take it worthily, there's some healing. Let's receive the fruit of the vine. He said, this is my blood which was shed for you. So the promises he made, he purchased with his own blood. This is his. We receive it tonight. Receive it in the name of the Lord. Let's take it together. Mm. Does that feel good? Everybody say, Pastor, Pastor. I'm in church. And I heard good singing. And I heard the word tonight. And I see myself better. And I see the world as winnable. And I see God as undefeatable. This is an awesome sight to see. Raise your hands all over the house. Dear Father, I bless this congregation right now. I bless this precious people. I thank you for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Thank you for every member in the house that watched us tonight. Thank you for everybody in the foyer, in the lobby that watched us tonight, God. Bless all of us tonight. Let us leave here excited, thrilled about what we see in ourselves and how we see we can make an impact on the world and how we see you in our life undefeatable. Now bless us and take us home and bring us back Sunday morning. Let's enjoy a great time of praise and worship with Pastor Ricardo and let us have a great, great Sunday. And God, give us the word on Sunday that the people need to hear. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. I love you. I love you. I love him. Let's have a great night. God bless you.